Isaiah 61. <laughs> if you're a guest, we've been in Isaiah 61 for a number of weeks. Uh, basically since the start of the summer. We've done around 17 messages and we finished it last week. So today we're not going to Isaiah 61. We're going to go in our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. Uh, hold on. Oh, there. There we go. It's on. I'm going to go to this one because that other one's going to ring like crazy. And the sound man left. So, 2 Kings chapter 6. There's a few people gone this weekend. <laughs> so, I appreciate everybody who's filling in and doing stuff tonight to, or this morning to help us uh, run, run what needs to be run here. So, 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. I really don't have a... A long message, I don't think. So we shouldn't be here. We should be out by one thirty. Um, Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word of God as we read it this morning. In Jesus' name, this is the story. This is a story in the in the life of Elisha, uh, the prophet to the to the people of Israel. It says, "Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such a such.'" Such and such a place. And then the man of God, that's Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and, and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. And this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded them, Tell me! Which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And the report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. So everybody understand what's going on here? So uh, there's the people of Israel and their enemies right now. In this case is the people of Aram. And so Aram is trying to attack Israel. The fascinating thing about this right now is Israel has an evil king. I mean, they're not following God, but they are the people of Israel. They are the people of God. They are God's chosen people. And he's still showing them favor and protection, even though they're living in 100% disobedience. Isn't that amazing? That's, God has some amazing love. He has some amazing patience, and that's what he was having right now. It's because even when his people were not walking with him, that he is still showing them favor and protection. He's using Elisha as a representative uh, of the man of God. In other words, he's a representative of the speaking voice of God in this, in this situation. And so God is speaking to his people to show them where to go even when they're in disobedience. And so the king of Aram is really wondering what's going on here. And so he says, let's go find this guy. And somehow they know, actually know where Elisha is, probably because God didn't mind that he knew. So they come and they surround the city. So verse 15 says this, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid. 
the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed, strike this army with blindness. And so God struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And Elisha told them, so that he's talking, who's he talking to? The people trying to take him, the enemy army. He tells them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And so he led them to Samaria. That's the capital city in Israel at this time. And they entered the city and Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and they, there they were inside Samaria. And when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, Elisha answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. After they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Uh, no kidding, right? <laughs> they lost all their volunteers. <laughs> we tried to attack one dude. And uh, all you know, we went blind, and then he led us into the enemy's capital city, and they could have killed us, but they let us go free, uh, so that we would basically stop attacking. It's like you know what? I am resigning from the army right now. Uh, I am unenlisting. I'm out of here, uh, King of Aram. So there's so much going on in this story. I really just want to focus on uh, one idea, and it's the idea of uh, revelation. If we don't have revelation, if we don't have our eyes open to what's going on around us, then we will miss the reality of what God is doing. You've got the servant here. There's several people who've had, who have revelation and, you know, who have eyes that can see and eyes that cannot see. And so you've got, you've got Elisha's, Elisha's servant. And all Elisha's servant can see is what is on the surface. He can only see the natural. He cannot see what's going on in the spirit realm. He doesn't know what God is up to. All he can see is that we are surrounded by an army here. There, there's a whole lot of people. I know I've got Elisha with me, but it's just us two, basically. I don't know if there's no one else in this city. There's no one else that's, you know, worth, worth fighting, basically. There's nobody else that's going to protect him because he's like, look, we're surrounded. There's too many of them. We're outnumbered. We're not going to make it. And then you've got Elisha, who is seeing and hearing what God is doing. All throughout, this, all throughout this passage, every time we see Elisha, he knows exactly what is going on. I mean, and Elisha here is a picture, I believe, of the speaking voice of God in our lives. So, you know, in the Old Testament, everything was different in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, not everybody had the Holy Spirit. Okay, only certain people, it would said the spirit of the Lord would come upon them for to perform a certain task or to do a certain thing. And then he would leave 
And then they were, guess what? Ordinary people again. They couldn't, they didn't know what God was saying. They didn't know what to do. Um, you know, the people of Israel, they had, they had to seek guidance from, from somebody else. They had the prophet and they had the priests. You know, the priests were to hear from God and they were to make the sacrifices. They were to do the worship and the offerings. And it says also that they used the Urim and the Thummim, which are just, we won't go into that today. Just, just ways that they would determine the will of God. You know, what, what, how God was speaking. They were stones, basically. And they would, they would then communicate that to the king or the people, whoever was going on. The same thing is happening with the prophet. The prophet would come and he'd be the one that says, hey, what is God saying? What's God doing right now? And so they'd have to ask the prophet. They couldn't do it themselves. There wasn't access for everybody to the Spirit of God. There wasn't access to everybody to what God was leading them to do. And so Elisha here is a representation. He knows what, he knows what's going on. And so he's able to tell the king, hey, guess what? The king of Aram's over here. He's on, you know, he's in this region. And guess what? Tomorrow he's going to be over here. So we need to avoid that section of, of the country. And then the next day he's going to be over here. And, so no matter what was happening, the, the Lord was using Elisha to lead the people of God to where the enemy couldn't touch them. And so they come, and of course, the servant can't see that. He doesn't know that. I mean, he's seen Elisha do amazing stuff. He's seen miracles. He's seen, you know, Elisha's already done a bunch of miracles. He's done a bunch of, bunch of things. He is leading the king of Israel. But all the servant can see is the army that's surrounding them. And then Elisha prays something. It's one of the shortest prayers in the Bible. <laughs> Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Which was the reality? Which was the greater reality? Them being surrounded by an army or surrounded by the hosts of heaven? The greater reality was this. It didn't matter how many people there were in the natural, in the spirit realm, in the supernatural realm, they were, they were covered. They had the favor of God. They had the, you know, the, the encampment of God around them. Those who fear God are protected. It says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who, who fear him. Uh, there was this protection. And so the servant, once the servant began to see, everything changed about how the servant acted. If we're not able to see, if we're not able to perceive, if we're not able to understand what God is doing around us, then we're going to react in the wrong way. We're going to only see the natural. We're going to only see the army that surrounded us. We're going to only see the sickness and disease. We're going to only see the hatred. We're going to only see the division. We're going to only see the things that are standing against God's kingdom. We're going to only see the discouragement. We're going to only see the, the things that aren't going on, the, the prayers that aren't answered. We're going to see all the things in the natural. And what we need is we need somebody or our own selves to say, Lord, open my eyes. You know, it's like the going over to the New Testament. 
I love the, the, the accounts of Jesus healing people. I mean, I love every single one of them. You know, there's the account of, of, of blind Bartimaeus. You know, blind Bartimaeus was, was that guy. He was, he was blind. That's why he's called blind Bartimaeus, right? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> just in case you didn't know, it wasn't just a nickname like, hey, that guy's really slow. No, he actually was literally blind. And so, you know, blind Bartimaeus, what does it say? It says that he hears that Jesus is coming. So in other words, I don't think he's necessarily hearing like a big group. I think he just hears, hey, Jesus is, is, is coming to this area. He's heading this way. And because he hears Jesus, it says he begins to shout out. He doesn't know exactly how far away Jesus is, but he knows he's coming this way. And so he starts to shout and shout and shout and shout, Have mercy on me, son of David. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And here's, you know, when you're in a crowd of people and someone starts yelling, you know, and it's not like at a football game, you know, it's not at the Midland High League game or whatever on Friday. Everybody's supposed to be yelling, you know, at the refs, at, you know, the other team, cheering, whatever. But when somebody's not supposed to be yelling and they're yelling, what do all the people do? Like, oh, man. You're, like, first, if, if you're the non-confrontational type, you just kind of, you put your head down, right? You're, like, trying to you just take a step away from them. You start to check your phone, you know. Oh, man, how's Facebook going? Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. Now, the aggressive people, what do they do? The, the more confrontational people, they're like, hey, man, stop it. Bro, what's up? <laughs> hey, calm down. You're, you're out of control. You know, you, you don't, bother, don't bother with this. But, and that's what happened. It says they started telling him, man, this is kind of getting awkward here, bro. This, stop yelling. My ear hurts, you know. Like, don't bother Jesus, you know. You're just, you're just blind Bartimaeus. That's all you are. Just get, kind of get to the back of the line. And what does it say he did? It says he shouted all the more. Because he was going to get to Jesus and he was going to get his sight. I don't remember in, this, in the account, there's many times where Jesus will act, actually ask the blind guys, what do you want? <laughs> I don't remember if he did it for blind Bartimaeus, uh, but the blind guys come to him and they say, Jesus says, he sees they're blind, you know, he, can, he knows they're blind, but he asks them, what do you want? You know, sometimes God asks us that. You know, he know, you know yeah, he knows, right? Does he know? <laughs> yes, he does. God already knows what we need. He already knows what we want. He already knows what we're going to pray. But he does. But he still asks us and says, "What do you want? What are you, what's your what's the desire in your heart? What what are you coming to me for?" You know, the blind guy says, "I want to see." Blind Bartimaeus says, "I want my sight. I want to be able to see." He didn't let anybody else stop him from getting to Jesus. People are like, calm down. He's like, no, I'm getting to Jesus. Have mercy on me, son of David. You know the, you know the phrase, son of David? You know, you know why Jesus is called the son of David? Well, it's because he is from the family line of David. Uh, and it would also mean he is the Messiah. 
you know, in the, in the Jewish understanding right at that time, there was, there was this whole thing. They were always saying, there's one like David coming. There's one like David coming. So the Messiah was always tied to David. And so blind Bartimaeus, when he is saying, son of David, have mercy on me, he is not just shouting out and being crazy. No, he's recognizing, even though he can't see physically, his spiritual eyes were open to know this is Jesus the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. He is the one that I need. He is my only help. He is my only hope. He's the only one that can set me free. And I need to get to Him. It doesn't matter what anybody else is going to say to me. I need to see, and He can do it. And I believe sometimes we need that same thing for our spiritual eyes. Do you ever feel like you're just sometimes wandering around spiritually blind? I mean, we all do. At some point, at some point, we're at, we're at that place where we're like, God, I can't hear you. I can't see what's going on. I, I feel like I'm I'm in a, I'm in a desert. There's no I'm dry. I can't. I read the Bible and nothing happens. I do what I'm supposed to do. I can't hear your voice. I don't know what's going on. And we need to be like blind Bartimaeus and say, Look, I'm going to get to Jesus and say, Have mercy on me, son of David. And when he asks me, what do I want? I'm going to say, God, I need to be able to see. I need my eyes open. I need, I need something inside me changed. You know, like we were talking earlier, if there's something hindering me from my relationship with you, let's deal with it. You know, I mentioned the word regret. You know, if you're living with regret... You're always going to kind of come to God with kind of like this, you know, there's a little bit of a hesitation. If you are in any way unsure that you are forgiven, you're going to hold back from coming to Jesus. That's why it's so important. I think, man, that's what, one of the reasons we, Jesus said, hey, remember, <laughs> remember me. Remember me, remember me, what I've already done. I have already done it. It, it is enough for you. What I've done is enough for you. What I'm, what, my blood is enough to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what you've done. Hey, look, hey, is that fair? No, it's actually not fair in terms of the worldly standards. We want to punish people, right? We want people to get what they deserve, man. When that, you know, we want to point the finger, man. Our society is like that right now. If someone screws up publicly right now, man. If they do something, they're just lambasted. We're like, let's fire them. They should lose their jobs. And I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong, but it's like one person says one wrong word, and the whole universe comes against them. And then it's like you have no hope. You will never change. You must now become that one word that you said. You know, that's not how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works like this. That word you said goes under the blood of Jesus, and Jesus says, my blood is enough to cover it. And in fact, you are nothing related to that word anymore. You are now what I say you are. You know, Ephesians 1 is a great, uh, is a great prayer to pray. So if you want to turn there, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. It's taking me a while too, so don't give up. 
you can get there. I made it. Ephesians chapter 1. Starting in verse 15, it says this. For this reason, this is Paul the Apostle writing this. He's writing a prayer. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Let's just stop right there for a second. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had a person praying for us who all they did at first was just thank God that I existed? You know, it's a good idea to pray for people like that. It says, Paul says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. (laughs) Not giving thanks to God, giving thanks to God for you. In other words, man, you know, it's a good idea to pray for our loved ones, our spouses, our close friends, our parents, uh, our kids, whoever in your life, you know. I have not stopped giving thanks for you. I'm so thankful that you exist. I th- I'm so thankful. God, I thank you that this person is alive. I thank you that I know them. I thank you what they're doing. That's, that's some good prayer right there. I, I need some praying like that for me. So uh, please give thanks for someone when you're praying. And he says this, verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is is the same as the mighty strength which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that's invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, for the people of God, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every Way. What is the first thing that Paul prays is this, that our eyes would be opened. You know, unless our eyes are open to something, we have no hope. We have no chance. We have, we have no way of making it. I, I can't figure it out on my own. I can't, I can't be a good enough person. I can't suddenly, you know, be amazing. I need to have my eyes open. I need to have a spiritual Inside, I need to have spiritual wisdom. I need to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Give that to me. You remember earlier we were talking about in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came upon a few people. What does it say in the New Testament? It says every believer in Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. And so now you have the same ability that Elisha had. You have the same ability that Moses had. You have the same ability that Samson had. You have the same ability that Joseph had. You have the same ability that Daniel had. Anybody in the Old Testament who had the Spirit of God come upon them, whatever they were called to do, God gave them the power to do it. Whatever God has called you to do, He's given you the power to do it. Sometimes the only thing hindering us is we just don't see what's supposed to be done. You know, if I can see it, God, then I might, 
you know, I have a chance to respond to it. If I'm totally blind to it, if I just don't even know it's there, I don't even get to make a choice. And that's why this prayer, I believe, is so important when he prays. I pray that the glorious Father would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him better in the knowledge of God. In other words, it's that revelation where I get to know Jesus better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. It's just like that servant in that Old Testament story. When Elisha prayed, it said, boom, his eyes were open. He could see what was really there. He could see what was really going on. You know, sometimes we're facing situations and we see the outside, but we don't see what's really going on. And we need spiritual wisdom and we need spiritual insight. We need, we need revelation. We can't rely on our past experience. We can't rely on, yeah, I learned this before. I've, you know, this is the way it happened last time. I mean, have you ever noticed that when you're praying for people? There's sometimes that one prayer works, and then you try to pray that prayer the next time the exact same way, hold your hand the exact same place, you know, you're, you're wearing the same shirt, whatever it is. I mean, you pray for the, exactly the same, you're as energetic as you were before, and the first time the prayer was answered, and the second time nothing happens. Now, why is that? Well, first of all, in some ways, I don't know. <laughs> but I think one of the reasons is this. We need to have a fresh revelation of what God is doing in that moment. Is, does God even want us to be praying at that moment? Maybe there's something else going on. We're like, let's pray. And God's like, I'm not, I, that's not what we're doing right now, bro. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying bro today. <laughs> Trying to be cool. Am I cool yet? Nope. <laughs> I'm so cool. Thanks. Um, my goal in life. <laughs> Finally made it. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, isn't that what we need? We need, it's like, I don't need to just pray the prayer I prayed last time. I don't need to just do the same thing I, I did last time. That's what revelation does. It makes me, gets me in the moment. It gets me fresh. It means I am in step with the Spirit of God to where whatever I am doing, it's the thing that He's doing. I mean, what did Jesus say? My Father's always at work. So we, we can always know, no matter where we are, what we're doing, what time of the day it is, whether the time changed or not, God is at work. My Father is always at work. We can, if we say, God, I just don't, I don't think you're doing anything right now. First of all, it's just not true. According to the Word of God, it says, My Father is always at work. And Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. If I'm only going to do what I see the Father doing, I have to have revelation to see what the Father is doing. It doesn't mean that I literally see with my physical eyes. I might see with my spiritual eyes. I might just sense it in my heart. I might have a word spoken that I can hear in my mind. However revelation happens to you, you might see a picture. For those that see pictures and, and God shows them things like that, however it may be, but I'm, we're looking for God to reveal something to us so we know what to do. Because if we continue to rely on ourselves, we're just going to have the results of what the flesh can produce. I can't do, you know, look, I, I prayed for a whole lot of people. And if I just pray for my flesh, guess what? I, I mean, I can pray a good prayer. People will go, hey, that guy knows how to pray or whatever. 
But here's the deal. There's nothing that's going to happen if I'm just praying my own prayer. But if God is showing me something, I'm going, that's what's going on right now, God. And here's the deal. It's not about us trying harder. It's about us just asking. Just like Elisha asked and said, hey, Lord, open his eyes. It wasn't even a long prayer. Sometimes we pray long prayers. This is a total free thing. Sometimes we pray long prayers because we're just, we're not seeing. With revelation, all you need is a short prayer sometimes because you already know what God's doing. Boom. You don't have to pray the whole Bible to figure out what God's doing, right? <laughs> sometimes we pray long. I'm not telling you not to pray long. But sometimes we pray long because we don't really know what to pray. And we're just running our mouths. But if we know what we're supposed to do, we can pray right to that thing. We can speak right to that thing. We can listen right at that place. Whatever we're, we're, we know the Father is doing at that moment. And so I encourage you to pray this prayer over yourself. We did this in the foundations class. Uh, we read it just a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I'm just reminded of the power of the prayer of Ephesians 1. Pray this over yourself. Pray this over your spouse future spouse, whether you ever want a spouse or not. Pray this over your close friends. Pray it over your parents if they're still living. Pray it over your kids. Pray it over me. Pray it over Ronnie Mabin, you know, Terry Luck, whoever else God brings to your mind, you know, somebody else. Give thanks for them and, and pray this prayer. You know, this is praying the Word of God right here. It's sometimes good to just pray the Word of God. You're like, I don't know how to pray. You know what? There's a lot of prayers in the Bible you can pray that are really good. Jesus prayed in John 17, a really long prayer. You know, there's a prayer to almost every Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. There's a prayer at the start. You can pray the words of those prayers and put somebody else's name in them, and you're praying the perfect Word of God. So use those prayers. If you want a resource, if you say, I need, I need help finding prayers in the Bible, I can help you with that. Uh, I did have one time in my life, bef before I had kids or a wife or anything, when I had a lot of free time, where I, and I told this, yeah, you were in foundation, I said this foundation, I, was this the last session or maybe the one before that, I don't remember. Uh, but there was a time in my life where I went through the whole Bible and I typed out every prayer in the Bible. And it's in like Word, you know, Word 97. You because know, it was like 98. <laughs> it was like word 97 was new. <laughs> it was brand new. Okay. And this is before like, if they had Bible Gateway, I didn't know about it. Like, you know, it wasn't the cut and paste kind of thing. You know, it wasn't like you can, like, you can do this now really easily. Uh, just search all through with the internet and your phone or whatever. But there was no Bible Gateway. I just went through and then I hand typed them out. Boom, boom, boom. Partly I did that because I wanted the words to get into my spirit. Uh, so if you want that resource, I can I can certainly get that out to you. Uh, I think I'll try to find that file. I mean, it's somewhere in Word 98. <laughs> we'll update it to PD. It's on a floppy disk. <laughs> Some of these people in here are too young. They're like, what is a floppy disk? Uh, <laughs> but here's the deal. Pray, pray the prayers. If you, if you need help, get some help and then let God lead you. Here's the deal. The more, the more of something God can lead you to, the more options He has, 
the more ways you can hear his voice. That's one of the reasons to be in the word of God. Because if you've never read a scripture, it's really hard for God to highlight that scripture in your mind. I think he can. It's still possible. I just think it's a whole lot easier if you if you have scriptures in your heart where God can say, boom, Romans 8, 28. And you're like, I know Romans 8, 28. Let me check and make sure that I think I know what it is. And boom, it's right there. And he can call to to your mind, what is that? When he calls something to mind, that's that's revelation. That's God opening your eyes for in that moment, maybe you're talking with someone, and in in your mind you just know, I need to share Romans 8, 28 right now with this person. And that's revelation. It doesn't have to be some amazing moment where I'm in worship and, oh, I've sung long enough where I can finally, you know, I'm in heaven's presence, and then I can hear God. No, I can hear right now because I have the Spirit of God. If I'm a child of God, I have the Spirit of God. It says all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And so every single child of God is meant to be led by the Spirit of God. That's Romans 8.14 if you need the reference. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And so we are His children. As we follow Him, He is going to lead us. He's going to show us. He's going to reveal things to us. And I would say intentionally ask for your eyes to be opened. I'm talking, I'm preaching myself today. You know, it's sometimes easy to just get on autopilot, right? We get on life autopilot. Look, I've got, I've got to love the same schedule every, every week, you know, and I can get on autopilot. Um, okay, this is going to come up. You got Wednesday night. You, some, you might have a council meeting on Monday. Tuesday night might be healing rooms. Thursday night worship practice. Yeah, I've got some almost every night. It looks like, whoo, <laughs> uh, hello. And so I'm just going through the, the, the motions, right? I'm going through the week. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I got to do this without even saying, God, open my eyes to what you're doing. And so I know I need to pray this prayer or ask the, pray the prayer of Elijah. Oh, Lord, please open my eyes. That's a light. That's a prayer of the Bible right there. Oh, Lord, please open your servant's eyes. Because I need to see. I need to see what you're doing. I need to know what's what's going on in this situation. Because I might be seeing the army that's surrounding me. And God says, guess what? <laughs> it's a setup. It's a total setup. It was a total setup with Elisha. It was a total setup. He's like, guess what? I'm going to pray that the, these guys are going to come in. Hey, guys, come on in. This is the wrong city. <laughs> I don't know how dumb these soldiers were, right? You know, <laughs> they were—they just saw it with their eyes. We're around the city; there they are, and then they get blinded. But that's what blindness does. When you can't see, any voice can lead you. When you don't know who's leading you, you don't know where you're going to end up. And so that's why I want to know. I want to have my eyes open to say, "God, have mercy on me, Son of David." Let my eyes be open so that I can follow you. So, Father, I just thank you this morning that you are speaking to us. And I pray uh, this prayer over every single person. I pray that every heart in here, everybody in here, every single person in here, that they would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation 
to know you better. I pray that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened to know the hope of your calling. Right now, Lord, I ask for revelation in that area, Lord, that they would know, that they would know, that they would know, and that they would see that you are calling them to something, that there is hope before them, there is life before them. They would know the glorious inheritance of the saints in Christ Jesus. They would understand and know the power that's available to us because we believe in you. It's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him in the heavenly realms and put him far above all dominion and rule and power and authority. Lord, give us eyes to see. Help us see people like you see them. Help us see situations like you see them. And let us be able to respond to them with the, with the heart and with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you still need prayer, either come on up here or find someone next to you and and grab someone to pray with you.